0: Thank you for having me, and um, can I tell you a bit of a story before I start? Because many of you may not know this, that I, together with a number of your leaders, drove onto this property before you even purchased it. I was down here for the weekend when an offer came that you might be considering to buy this. So I, together with a few of your leaders, Andrew and a couple of others, drove over this property for the very first time, and can I say that we prayed for this property at that moment. The decision hadn't been made, but we prayed. So I really feel connected to this church. I don't travel a lot. I don't speak in other churches a lot. But this church has my heart. And I genuinely mean that. So thank you for being faithful. Thank you for taking a step of faith. And thank you for building a church in such a brilliant set of buildings. So come on, I think you congratulate yourselves. It's a great thing. Don't underestimate it. Now, when Pastor Steve asked me to come down, he said, would you preach on finance? (laughs) Uh, Can I just be really transparent with you before I start this morning? I've been in ministry for 27 years. And I've talked to a lot of pastors over that period of time. And every one of them hates talking about money. Do you know why? Because every time we talk on this terrible subject of money, let me stop here bearing in mind that jason has his family here then the comment will always be will always come back do you know what the church is after my money now can i tell you a couple of facts of life do you know in any survey in any aspect of research that i've ever read the number one source of anxiety in family life is money come on can you just help me out this morning The number one source of anxiety in every family is finance and money. Now, apart from that, can I tell you that I I was in Canberra yesterday, and I I went and had breakfast at a lovely cafe, and I said to them, I'm from Queensland, and I'm a nice guy, and they said, you still have to pay. (laughs) And you know what? I said, you can have my running clothes. They're smelly, but you can have those. They said, no, we want money. And so I paid them with money. And then I got in the taxi and I went to the airport. I said, I'm from Queensland. I'm a nice guy. And he said, I don't care. you are still got to pay for the fare. <laughs> do you see the point I'm making? I'm not here to get your money. I'm here simply because we can't do without it. I wish we could. But we can't. In fact, Jesus talked more about money if you read the Gospels than many other subjects. So with that in mind, I want to talk to you very briefly this morning on trust and generosity. Can I do that? Have I set the scene? So we're going to pray. All right, so why don't you hold someone's hand if you've come with them. And if you're sitting beside someone that you want to actually come to church with, hold their hand. This is your time. This is legal holding of hands. All right, if you're aged between 14 and 16, definitely now is your time. All right. You got my permission. Don't worry about what your parents say. Do it now. (laughs) Do it now. Come on, you can do it. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, thank you for an awesome church. Thank you for Jason. Thank you for the tears that I shed when I just heard his story. Thank you for the fact that you're here. And thank you for the fact that you want us to hear your word. So would you help me, Lord? Because I do need your help. Amen. Do you know, if I was to ask you a question, and here's the question, generosity, are you generous, few of us would say, no, I'm not generous. Would you accept that? Come on, I want you to help me out this morning. Few of us would say, do you know what, I'm not generous. And the fact remains is that every one of us desires to be generous. In fact, I want people to say about you and me, do you know what? One of the great characteristics of John Smith or Mark Edwards or someone with your name is that that person was generous. I reckon it's a great thing to say. And the reason for that is simply this, that God hardwired into you generosity. Do you realise that? You've got it. Whether you like it or not, the starting point is this, that God hardwired into your DNA this concept of generosity. And I want to be known to be a generous human being. So can I ask you this question? Why is it that generosity is sometimes so hard? Come on, I'm just being real today. Why is it that generosity seems to be... oh Our first reaction is not to be generous, but almost like, okay, what's it going to cost us? Why do we tend to second-guess even generosity, for want of a better word? It's not natural, it seems, for us to even be generous. So why is that? Well, here's my theory on it. I'm just going to give it to you. To give something away, you have to conquer the fear of not having enough yourself after you've given that away. It's as simple as that. That's why sometimes it's really hard to be generous because when we give something away, there's this fear that comes upon us. It comes upon me. And that fear is if I give it away, will I have enough for whatever, but me, to be honest, my family, my needs, and things like that. And that's why you can't talk about generosity unless you talk about trusting God in the same sentence. So that's what I want to talk about today. Generosity and trust in God. And we're going to explore generosity. We're going to be vulnerable about generosity. We're going to actually open the door and talk about it in a pretty realistic way this morning. You see, when Jesus spoke about generosity like any great speaker, in fact, when Jesus spoke about anything like any great speaker, he used illustrations and examples of the day. And you've got to understand that when Jesus spoke on the day, he spoke in a primarily agricultural society. Now, I've got to tell you a fact. I know nothing about farming. You, mate, you, my. Now, I don't know about Launceston, but I know Ipswich. Ipswich hasn't got a farm within its boundaries. And I certainly know nothing about it. So I'm going to take you back 2,000 years to talk about agriculture. Because unless you understand agriculture 2,000 years ago, you are not going to understand what Jesus spoke about generosity. So let me describe the process of farming 2,000 years ago. And here it is. No mechanism. So they sowed by hand. They harvested by hand. And the Israelite farmer or farm owner would do this. When he would harvest at the end of the season... He would get all the workers and he would start in the middle of the field, not around the outside, in the middle of the field. And they'd harvest in a circle. And here's what they do. As they harvest in a circle, they would leave the out corners, just left them there. And the reason for that was that the poor of the society would then come in and they would harvest those corners because there was no government benefits. So every farmer of the day would simply leave the corners. He would never or she would never ever farm those because literally the poor would come in and that was their way of being fed. And the harvesters at the end of the day would take these huge baskets and that's how they would get paid. Every basket they'd they'd take and they'd be weighed and every weighing of the baskets they'd be paid according to the weight of the baskets. And the baskets therefore would be really filled up. Now here's how that was done. And I want you to listen to this very carefully because this is how Jesus is going to talk about generosity. Here's what the the workers would do. They'd get the harvest basket and they'd push it down. They'd get as much as they can in the basket because time would be lost when they had to take the basket to be weighed. So they'd cram it down. Then they'd take the corners and they'd shake it like this. They literally shake it to make sure every gap is filled. Then they keep harvesting. They'd pour more into the basket until the basket overflowed and the harvest would run onto the ground, but they would never pick up that grain. They'd never pick it up. So why they would not pick it up was that that harvest that fell onto the ground, out of the harvest basket, would be left for the poor. So the poor would come into the field, they'd harvest the corners, and then they'd go through all the lanes of the harvest and take all the grain that had been on the ground as a result of the basket being overflowing. At the heart of this concept was generosity. At the heart of this concept was this, you trusted God for what was in the basket, and what ran over, you gave away to others. Can I say that again? Because I don't think you're excited enough. At the heart of this concept was that you trusted God to supply all your needs from that basket and you made sure that what was flowing out was for others. Stop. Do you want to live life like that? No, I'm really serious. In other words, do you want to live life with a basket that's filled for your needs with it running over the edges so that you can be generous to others? I do. And if you're really serious about generosity, that's the picture that you want. So then Jesus gets up before a crowd in Luke chapter 6, verses 38 and 39. He says this. Okay, let me tell you about generosity. He says, give and you will what? Say it out loud. Receive. Your gift will return to you in what? Full. Full. Then he says this, pressed down, what, pressed down, shaken together to make more room for more, running over and poured into your lap, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And everyone in that room, agricultural farmers, knew what he was talking about. The term is pressed down, they knew it. The term shaken, they knew it. The term running out all over, they painted a powerful picture. Everyone in that crowd thought, I know what he's talking about. I see that. I'm part of it. I'm, I know. Jesus, I know. If you're generous, God will not just fill your basket, friends. He's going to press down. He's going to shake it. He's going to pour a blessing out on you until it runs over and then you will be capable of blessing others. Man, do I want that. Do you? I want my basket to be pressed down. But sometimes, can I tell you, I want more in it because I've got a few more needs. So I want God to press that thing down a bit more. I want him to shake it a bit more so I can have more in there. But I want it to run on over and I'm not going to pick up that seed because I want that to be given to others. And I don't know of anyone in this room, even though I know none of you, that would not want that. In fact, if you look at the verse before this, where Jesus talks about this, press down, shake them together, and I can remember singing a song about that years ago. But the the verse before in verse 37, he actually says, this applies to every area of your life. He says, don't judge others, or you'll be judged. Don't condemn others or it'll come back again. You forgive others or it'll be forgiven. This passage is not just about finances. It's about every single area of your life. If you don't get encouragement, can I tell you how to get encouragement? Press down, shake it together, and let it pour on over. It'll come back to you. And it just goes on and on and on. But we are going to talk about finances. In other words, there is a universal principle with God. Here it is. You need to hear it you will always receive back more than you give. Come on. I don't know about you, but that's slightly exciting. <laughs> Do you know? You will always give, but God says, that's okay, but I'll give you back more. Can I give you a caution right now, like a stop sign? If you're giving purely to get, don't let that be your motivation. Sorry, I'm from Queensland. Queensland. All right, it should never be about getting. You know why I'm going to give? So I can get. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Always remember the proverb, Proverbs 6, where it says, people may be pure in their own eyes, but God knows your motives. So let's get back to Jesus, just as I threw that little stop sign in there, that little bit of caution. He specifically talks about generosity, but so does Paul, the apostle. Paul says exactly the same thing in, in Corinthians. He says, remember this. Again, agriculture, you with me? Come on, all you farmers should be cheering me. Any farmers? Yeah, it's like Ipswich, none. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. Friends, can I just stop there and say, why don't we as Christians believe that? No, Seriously. Why don't we just cut the rest of the Bible out and do that? Why is it that we sing the words in all the songs, but that is the essence of generosity? And generosity hardwired into us by God, the Father who gave his Son for us. Why is it that we just don't tend to believe that what we give will be measured as it comes back to us? I didn't say that says it here. And he says, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So why don't we just stop there? And I'm just talking to myself now. Can I just preach to me? And I'm saying, why don't I get that, that if I plant generously, I'll get a generous crop? You must each decide in your... Oh, I hate this part. I must decide in my own heart how much to give. See, that's the catch. Up until then, it was great, but I've got to make this decision on how generous I am. You must each decide in your own heart how much you give, and don't be reluctant, or don't give in response to the, minute, the message by Mark Edwards at Door of Hope this morning. For God loves what? A person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide, I love the next word. Can you say it with me? All. Oh. In, in Queensland, all means all. Does it mean something different down in Tassie? No, I, I love this. I mean, it says, and God will generously provide all you need, then you will, I love this next word, always. You know what always means in Queensland? Always. God will give, right? He will give, I'm um, sorry, for God loves a God will give, then you'll have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I want that. Doesn't Door of Hope want that? Don't you want that? As a Christian, it's who we are. I want to be able to give to others. You give to give. You don't give to get. So therefore, the workers never collected the stuff that ran out of the basket. It was for others. And Paul here is saying to you as a church and to me as individuals, He's saying, he's saying this, he says, I'm talking to you sacrificial givers here. I'm talking about finances. He says, you will always have everything you need and plenty to left over to share with others. That's church. That's church. Plenty for vision, but give it away. Generosity has to be about trusting God. To not be prepared as your basket full flows over with the blessings of God, with that wonderful pay increase, with that wonderful bonus, with that wonderful whatever. You're not just tempted to reach down and pick that seed up again and keep it. It's the ability to trust God that you don't have to pick up the grain that runs out of your basket. And sometimes it's hard. You trust God. This is what it is. You trust God that the amount of the grain in your basket is sufficient for your needs and more. I could preach on that alone because that challenges me. Let me say that again. You trust God that the amount in your basket and how God is going to press it down and shake it and literally stomp on it to make sure you've got more than you need and then he says, come on, I'll give you some more as well, and some more, and some more. It's going to come out of places you can't even begin to understand. And when it flows out, don't you dare pick it up. Please don't pick it up, because that's for others. So can I give you just a couple of principles of giving? I'm going to give them to you anyway, so, you know. All right. That's just a preacher's way of being nice, really. Can I give you the first one? The first principle? principle of cheerfulness. There's no grumpy Christians in Launceston, is there? Because sometimes there is in other cities. You see, God is not looking for your tithes or your offerings or your gifts. Sorry. God doesn't sit on the throne in heaven and hop up and say, Mr. Smith from Dora Hope didn't give his tithe this morning. The, heaven is, the heaven's treasuries are going to go Broke. I can assure you he's not going to do that because he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything is his. Everything belongs to him. He doesn't need your generosity. That's why Paul says, don't be reluctant or give in relation to pressure. This has got to come from the heart because God loves a cheerful giver. I don't know about you, but I want to be loved by God. I am but I want my giving to demonstrate my love towards him. So how do you become a cheerful giver? Seriously, God has to do a work in your heart. See, the natural state of our heart is to be grudging. It is, I'm sorry. But it is. Do you know why? Because you've got a background. Your current state of finances your previous church experiences. You allow people to speak into your life and they speak the wrong stuff. As a result, that all affects your attitude to generosity. You know, my mum came from an incredibly poor background. You couldn't believe it. And for some reason, she developed this attitude that every dollar was like she had to protect it. And do you know what happened? It flowed down in the family. I've got it. Gail my wife her mum was just as poor probably probably even more poor if that's the right phrase yet she was the most cheerful generous human being i know it passed down to gail so gail marries mark tightwad mark <laughs> generous gail but my background had affected the cheerfulness of my giving only God can now change my heart about that and has. Are you in that boat with me this morning? Because I'm not going to change you just by a brief sermon this morning. I'm hoping that'll lay the seed. And in faith, I'm believing you'll change, but it's you that have got to change. God's got to do a work in you because God loves a cheerful giver. Do you know what I tell my church? I might get shot for this in this church. But, I, but I, say, I say to our church, if you don't want to give, I don't want your tithes. I'm sorry, I don't want you to not be cheerful in your giving. God will provide. That my, my, you know City Hope Church in Ipswich, it's got a basket and God's pushing down and he's adding to it, he's shaking. I, I don't need your tithe if you aren't going to be cheerful about it. I want you to be cheerful about it. Then guess what? You'll give far more than your tithe. Sorry to mention money so often. Here's the second principle. You ready for that? Thank goodness. Get off that cheerfulness, Edwards. Come on. All right. Second principle is the principle of sufficiency. You know what Paul says? You will always have everything you need. I love that. Do you? I can't pay the electricity bill, but I love that. No, I love that because I believe it. Another version says this, always having all sufficiency in all things. I love the way Paul uses that word all. Will I have enough left over? See, that's the fear I've got. When I give, am I going to have enough left over to pay those needs that I've got? So let me just tell you where sufficiency comes from. Money is never your provider. Your employer, your business is not your provider. It's merely the channel from the provider, God. I'm sorry, it's not a cliche, but God is my provider. God is my provider. We might be having a bad economy or a good economy, a mediocre economy, an average economy. God's my provider. No, I'm sorry, it's not trite, but God has to be my provider. He's my all-sufficiency. That's where the issue of trust comes into my heart. How much do I trust God when things are going wrong? when I haven't quite got enough in the pay pay packet, when the bills are mounting up, when finance is becoming that anxiety in my family's life, how much am I prepared to trust God because my principles are based on him being sufficient and no one else? It's hard stuff, isn't it? And you thought Christianity was really simple stuff when you put up your hand and said, I'll give my life to Jesus. See, there's a difference, unfortunately, between need and want. Need and want. God doesn't promise to satisfy every whim or fantasy, even though I'd like he would. Wouldn't you? Okay, that must be a Queensland thing. All right, I I wouldn't mind him satisfying every whim or every fantasy, but he doesn't. The real test comes when our needs are met and we have some extra, some abundance. How do we treat the surplus? And the last thing about giving, this last principle, is there's a higher level of giving. It moves beyond giving and trusting God just to meet your needs. Can I say that again? There is a higher level of giving than just letting that basket be filled and saying, I can pay the bills this week and I've got a bit of savings and whatever. Here's the third principle. It's the principle of the seed. You see, there's a ladder of giving, my friends. I wish I'd been taught this years ago. There's a ladder of giving. The first level is tithing. Friends, if you are just tithing and say you're generous, you have missed the point. Tithing is just giving back to God what's his. You haven't even started generosity. Aren't you glad I'm getting on a plane tomorrow morning? <laughs> Who brought this guy down? I liked him when he liked chariots of fire, but after that, <laughs> forget it. But it's true, friends. I'm sorry. It's the first level. It's the entry. It's literally the entry point. For one of a better word. Then there's offerings. It's when you, you know, you, I'm going to give some offerings away. But here's the third level. It's when you go beyond the tithe, beyond offerings, and you say, I'm going to trust God with some surplus that I've squirreled away. I'm going to sow some seeds now. The highest use of finance in the kingdom of God is seeds. It's when you say, I'm going to sow some seeds. Oh, I'm going to sow from see. God's provided my needs and I'm blessing others. And, and man, life's good. But you know what? I'm going to take another step of faith. I'm going to take another step of trust. And I'm going to, I'm going to sow some seeds. Because 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds gets a small crop. But who, who's the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Now, I've got people that then say to me as a result of that, well, Mark, you know, uh, you know sure you're a giver, or sure he's a giver, or sure she's a giver, but they can afford to be. Look at what they drive. Thank goodness there's verse 10. God is the one who provides seed to the farmer and bread to eat. It's God. God provides the seed. You choose whether you're going to steward it well. In the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a, ha- a great harvest of what? Hold on a minute. Wait, wait. That's that, that to totally be wrong. When I sow some seeds, the harvest he's going to do in me is a great harvest of generosity. I'm going to become more generous. God wants us to take some of the seed he gives us and use it for ourselves. That's our needs, isn't it? Don't you not pay your bills. But then he wants us to sow some of the rest. Wow, he was preaching well until that point. See, when it comes to sowing the seed, the decision you've got to make is whether you're prepared to do that. See, when it comes to seed, it's powerful. It takes faith. It takes trust. Talk about stepping out of the boat. It's really hard, but, but I've got this seed here. I've got this, oh, man, God, I'm sure you didn't say give that. Do you have that? Do you have that whisper sometimes? The whisper that you say, it could be God, when you really know it is. And then you say, well, you know, I, I'm sure the Bible says somewhere we've got to test it. So I, 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 you know, And then finally, after 16,000 tests, over a period of 58 years, yeah, it could be God. See, note, note this verse 10 again, that God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. God is mindful of your material needs, bread to eat, but he wants us to get some of the seed and sow it. And then, let me take it again, verse 10, God will provide and increase your resources. Wow, hold on, did I get that right? When I sow that seed, God, looking at the heart of the giver, the cheerfulness, the trust that he or she has, will then provide and increase me with more resources. What's he doing? He's pressing down, he's shaking that basket together, and then he's going to produce even more of a harvest of generosity in you. And when you've got more enough of a harvest in generosity of you, guess what you do? You give more. Thank you for that resounding cheer. That was fantastic. (laughs) Loved it. How generous are you? You see, the question I've got to ask myself is this it's actually not how generous I am, because I'll lie. No, I'm sorry, and so will you. If I walked up to you and say, you generous, what are you going to say? No, nah, I'm a, oh, mate, I am a tightwad. No, no, and I'm, I'm being serious almost. I don't know anyone that's not going to say, I'm generous. So that's not the question. The question is, how much do I trust God? How much do I trust God that he's going to take that basket that I've got. And even though I'm putting seed in there because I'm working hard, I'm saving, I'm doing all the the principles of finance that, that we should be doing. Do I trust God that his mighty hands will lean over the balustrades of heaven and take my basket and press down in a way I can't do it? And he'll shake it in a way that I can't do it. And then he'll command, blessing from places I can't even begin to imagine, think or dream of. And seed will just come into my basket some more. And I'll stand amazed. Wow, where did that come from? And then he'll do it all again. He'll he'll, he'll press and shake and put some more in and you'll stand back and you'll be amazed. Wow, that promotion. There were 10 people in front of me, but I got it. The boss just walked in and gave me a pay increase. Or we got this new contract at work. Wow. God says, okay, I'm pressed down again, shake it again. But this time it starts to flow out. And you think, wow, I, 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 can, I wonder if I can just pick up that seed. He says, no, don't do that, please. Because now you're at the point where the seed goes to others. So the question is not, are you generous? (laughs) The question is, how much do you trust God? Answer. Only you can determine that. Remember I said in the Proverbs, God knows the heart. We're going to do something slightly unusual in that we're going to take communion together. Okay, how does communion relate to money and finance? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) It always has amazed me that Jesus stood in front of a group of disciples who essentially did not get why he was there. And he said, Do this in remembrance of me. Can I stop there and, and say this? Do this in remembrance of me. What was Jesus about to do? He wasn't going out for a party. He wasn't going to tiptoe through the tulips and sing to the Pharisees. He was going to give, notice that word, his life for others. God had got the basket and filled it up, and the overflow was going to be his body and blood shed for you and I. Here, have this. When you take communion this morning, do you know what you're in fact doing? You're thinking of the greatest sacrifice, the greatest seed that's been sown. You're here because of that seed. Did you get that? But I want you to go further than this today. I want you to actually go to this point, And the, the, you can come and distribute all that. I want you to go to this point. Please hear me and then I'm done. I want you to actually think before you take these bread and wine. Am I generous? Do I trust God? Because if you answer that question in the negative, please hear me now, please, then now's the time to let God do a work in your heart. Please hear me. In a moment, in an instant, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit changing lives. Do you? Come on, do you? I believe in that. He's taken me, the most wretched sinner you would ever know, and I'm doing this. It amazes me every time I step onto a platform about his grace and his mercy. You don't think he can change your heart today? And as those disciples took that that Passover celebration, friends, they didn't have a clue. They did not have a clue what was going down. But unlike the disciples, you do. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. When you take that bread, and you take that juice or whatever it is, before you do it, you say, God, you need to do a work in my heart. Because I'm about to celebrate the greatest act of generosity and I'm not going to celebrate it pretending that I trust you with my finance when I don't. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Please do that. And in this quietness, let the Holy Spirit speak. Let the Holy Spirit prod your heart as to your generosity. And then we'll, then we'll eat and drink together. But right now, come Holy Spirit, do something in us. you to take that bread. Let's eat it together. Let's think about the great sacrifice. Let's take that juice. Drink it together. This is the blood of Jesus shed for you and I. Oh wow, what love. Now, let me pray for you. Can I do that? Let me pray. Father, thank you for a, just a wonderful church, wonderful people. I pray, Lord, for a couple of things. I pray right now that your word would not fall on the ground, but would just come into our hearts, all of our hearts, and stay there and grow and change us. I pray for those like myself that sometimes just need a a trust injection. I pray, Lord, that I'm going to walk from this place with something having happened in my heart so I can be more generous. I'm praying, Lord, right now that we will remember that basket, the pressing down, the shaking together. We'll, We'll remember that beyond lunchtime. But we'll remember it, Lord, every time we're tempted to gather the seed that has flowed over out of our basket. And I pray, Lord, that we'll be known as generous people. In Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen.